But today we're going to focus our attention together for a few moments on the um, same passage of Scripture we looked at last week from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And we're going to be talking about our responsibility to pass on the faith to the next generation. And uh, we're going to give you some steps in that process. It's really, you know, what, what uh, the Scripture teaches is something that's simple and yet very natural to do, but it takes very deep commitment and courage to make it a part of our everyday life. So we're going to be talking not just to parents today, but parents, grandparents, godparents, all of us who are responsible for passing on faith uh, to the next generation. Will you bow with me in a moment of prayer? Loving God in whom we live and move and have our being, we invite you to come and be with us here in this place today, transforming our souls and granting us the nourishment that we need. We are hungry for your truth. We are thirsty for the water of life that only you can give. And so hear our prayer and hear our praises that we lift to you. Turn us away from ourselves and prepare us as people of faith to reach the next generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen. You know, one of the natural things for us as adults is to pass on to our children or to the people in our lives the things that really matter to us, that are meaningful to us. For some of you, that might be passing on your favorite hobby, um, hunting, fishing, skiing, or maybe your passion for repairing cars or reading books or making crafts, but there's something that we want to leave as a legacy for uh, our children. Maybe it's going camping or learning to play baseball. Whatever is meaningful for us, we tend to want to pass on to someone else. And for Christ followers, this natural desire hopefully includes matters of faith. Uh, I think most Christian parents at least have some desire to pass on a spiritual heritage to their children uh, so that they grow up to be faithful and honorable people. And we want to see our kids mature into a, uh, independent adults. We know that uh, our children uh, most often will eventually leave home. Um, they may even marry, set up their own household. The task of parenting, I think, is to see that our children learn to take their place in the world. And uh, we also raise our kids to be people of character, people that, that, that of respect and decency. And we want them to be people of virtue, principle. And for Christian parents particularly, we hope that they are faithful to the values that we've taught them and one day uh, will profess faith in Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. Now, this goal of raising our kids faithfully into adulthood can be traced back to the earliest days of the Bible. God, through the mouth of Moses, gives the command that we are to teach our children the faith that we have received. The word, uh, this word, the mitzvah, meaning the command, occurs over 180 times in the Old Testament. God's people are expected to do and to keep God's laws, and that expectation continues into the present day. So the spiritual nurture and the instruction and the training of our kids is the primary responsibility, not of the church, but of the parents, of the home. One of the duties of the church is to promote true religion in the home and to encourage it. And being a disciple, you see, involves learning the Word of God under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, both at home and in the church. And without learning, there is no growth. And without growth, there's no discipline. And without discipline, there's only sin and iniquity. In the New Testament book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, 
uh, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So the church and the home together should be providing that special provision for instructing our children in the Bible and in the teachings of the faith. So as a church, what we do is we provide things like Sunday school and Bible classes and small groups and youth groups and those things that are helpful to you to help uh, provide some of that encouragement and instruction. But we encourage you as parents to faithfully guide your children in the ways of Christ by bringing your children with you to church, by participating in worship together and learning together. And I know that a great burden that many Christian parents carry around with them is that they fear that some, at some point their adult children will walk away from the faith and live as if they really don't value a living faith. And too often we have expected the church to do really what is the responsibility of the home. So as people of faith, what is our role in passing on, not just religion, but living faith to the next generation? What is the process? What is our role and how do we do that? So I wanna offer you uh, this morning seven suggestions. The first one is this. We must be, first of all, people of faith because we reproduce who we are. Deuteronomy chapter six, the first five verses. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. In other words, we can't give what we don't have. Moses' first instruction to us is, is to, to us as adults, and we are to be men and women of faith. We cannot raise our kids in a faith that we, in fact, don't possess. A modern proverb is that we teach what we know and we reproduce who we are. The first step in being a faithful parent is just that, to be faithful. And the first mark of the people of God is that we love God. The goal of faith is not just to obey a bunch of laws and, and legal code and commands, but to love God. If we wish to pass on to our kids and to our grandkids and to the people in our life, that, uh, the children in our life, the knowledge that God loves them and has a plan for their life, we ourselves have to be people who love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And before we can begin to think about how to pass on faith to the next generation, we have to seek to deepen that faith in our own selves. What are the spiritual disciplines? Let me ask you, what are the spiritual disciplines currently that you practice in your Christian walk? What steps are you taking to deepen your knowledge and your love for God? You see, whatever we pass on to our children, we ourselves first must possess. Secondly, we must be people of the book. Verse 6 in Deuteronomy says, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. The faith we seek to pass on to our children is a faith that is rooted in the word of God. In the time of Moses, the word was given directly by God to Moses, 
who then saw to it that it was passed on in written form and, and, and preserved for the Jewish people. The centuries have gone by, and now God's word is to us is contained and given and revealed in the pages of the scripture, the Bible. And we're told that these, word, these are to be words to our hearts. As I thought about that statement, I, I thought, you know, what is it that we carry around in our heart? Have you thought about that? What is it that we carry in our hearts? We carry the things that we love in our hearts, don't we? Which is things that are important to us, things that drive us, things that motivate us. And this passage is saying that God's word is not just that which we are to believe, but it's to be what drives us. It's to be what motivates us. And it's to be what we hold, what, what we hold close to our heart. A belief is something that we hold. A conviction is something that holds us. And a conviction affects how we live. And if we wish to raise our kids to be people of the book, then we ourselves must be people of the book. You've heard the old saying that the top three rules for real estate purchases are location, location, location. Similarly, the top three rules for parents seeking to pass on faith to the next generation are cultivate your own faith, cultivate your own faith, cultivate your own faith. That's where it starts. In Psalm 1, there is a great bit of truth and declaration in the very first verses of this psalm. The psalmist gets it. He says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. We have got to be people of the book. Thirdly, we've got to seek purposefully to pass the faith on to our children. Verse 7 in Deuteronomy 6 says, repeat them, these commands of God over and over again to your children. The instruction given by Moses is that we are to be faithful in seeking to pass on faith to the next generation. We need to be conscientious. We need to be deliberate about that. We need to persevere in that. Hang in there and don't give up. Uh, when it gets a little rough and it gets a little messy. Parents, we need to seek to influence, the, our, uh, continue that influence even after our kids get into the adult years. And we need to be continuing that influence even into the, you know, Jan and I now are grandparents to our grandchildren as they exercise and practice their own faith. Look for ways to encourage that, to help them to express their own faith. Even in adulthood, we're called to continue to seek ways in which we encourage each other, which we encourage and bless our children in their respective walks of faith. That's what we do as a congregation, isn't it? We try to bless our, the kids who are part of this congregation. There's no greater privilege than to encourage children in their love of the Lord. Let me offer another suggestion about diligence, especially if you have preteens or teens in your home. And, uh, and this may seem a little way out, but I've, I've encouraged a couple of families to do this. Uh, if your children still earn an allowance, or maybe they get uh, an allowance for doing some household chores, like taking out the trash or emptying the dishwasher, you know, why not pay them to do something spiritual, something spiritually substantive? You see, we've got to be purposeful in seeking to pass on faith to the next generation. 
Fourth, we need to seek to pass the faith on to our children in natural ways. Verse seven, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Notice the context of this command. It says, talk about these these things of God, the things of God in all the normal and natural activities of a typical day. The message here is to weave our observance of the faith into the natural rhythms of our life. If you have, you know, if you have kids in Sunday school, be sure to talk with them on the way home about what they learned that day. If your children are fidgety and distracted in worship, take time to help prepare them for worship. I know one family that actually practiced church before they came. At home, they would practice sitting on the couch quietly while mom or dad read a scripture uh, passage. They might, they learned to say the Lord's Prayer. They, uh, they learned how to stand and sing just like they were in church. Practicing church was a great idea for this family, enabling the kids to learn what was expected of them and what would happen when they came and, and how they can contribute to the worship of God themselves uh, when they came and were part of the congregation. See, the goal is to train the heart in the needed habits of character and virtue uh, and do it in straightforward and natural ways as we pursue that goal. Here's the fifth one, suggestion. Provide a right example in how you act. Verse 8 says, Tie these commands of God to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Now, some of you in this room will not know who Harry Chapin is is, and uh, some of you are old enough to know and remember a song called Cats in the Cradle and how the son in the story says, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. The problem, of course, in that song is that what the son is learning from his dad are negative examples about being a father, of neglecting the family, of choosing work over time spent with the kids. And there's a country singer, Rodney Atkins, who has a song with a similar message called Watching You. It's about a four-year-old boy who's watching and he's mimicking his father. Moses says this about God's commands. He says, um, we should bind them as a sign on our hands. Our hands are to reflect the truth, the commands of God. God's word tells us that uh, what we are to do, what our hands are to do, God's word is a guide on how we act the moral questions we face, for the most part, are not questions of understanding, but of the will. Our willingness to do what we're supposed to do. I love the words of the Greek philosopher Aristotle, who said, virtue is not just knowing what is right, but having the character to do what's right. Success in living is not first just a matter of knowledge, but in having the right habits of the heart. It's not, knowing what's, it's not just knowing what's right, it's actually letting our hands and our feet do what's right. And if we want our kids to love God, we must first love God. If we want our kids to be loving and kind, we must first be examples of kindness and love. If we want our kids to be forgiving, we have to be forgiving people. When mom and dad express and embody the faith in their own life, that in turn encourages the children to embrace the faith as well. Mom and dad, you are to be people of faith. We seek to be men and women who are guided and directed by the teaching of the Bible, people of the book. We want to be purposeful in doing that and sharing the faith with our kids, but at the same time, just do it naturally. Part of being natural and what that's all about is to seek an integrity between who we are 
and what we do. Providing the right example as to how do we act. Here's number six, provide a right example in how you think. The second part of that verse in chapter, or in verse eight in chapter six says, talks about wearing the, the, the commands of God on our foreheads. Now the reference there is, is pretty significant. I think that the meaning has a lot to do with uh, an imagery that we can th- think about today, but the reference, um, if you wanna go back to that, uh, talks about what captures our imagination. What are the things that, um, that, we, that, that we look at or people look at? What really do we fix our attention to? And the message is that we are to discipline our minds and our thinking. We are to think biblically. We're to be people who are conversant in the stories and in the teaching of the, me- in the message of the scripture. And the reason for this command uh, to be people of the book uh, to be, is that in, in being people of the Bible is where our loyalty is revealed. Let me explain. In the, in the, the Jewish rabbis had an understanding of this passage of scripture that was very literally fulfilled. The practice is called laying teflon. A box was attached with, it had a small box that had actually some scripture ref, uh, in it, and it was attached actually to the forehead. And, and then a uh, leather cord would be affixed down the worshiper's uh, arm and attached to the hand. And in the literal command to bind the word of God, the commands of God, uh, they, they did that to the forehead. Now, can you imagine walking around with this box, you know, on your forehead? Um, have you ever, if you've ever seen anyone laying Teflon, one thing is immediately apparent, and that is you cannot hide what's sticking right there on your forehead. It's there, and it's obvious for everybody to see. In the practice of laying Teflon, though, a Jewish man was declaring his loyalty to God, his obedience to God's law. Now, this idea of declaring loyalty is the dynamic at work in the New Testament book of Revelation. I'm going to take you down a little side trip for a moment. In the, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, some of us have heard the term, the mark of the beast. And it's in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. And what it says there is that all people, great and small, big and little, rich and poor, free and slave, are going to be marked on the right hand and on the forehead or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast the name of the beast or the number of its name and and it talks about the location of the mark being on the forehead and upon the hand the mark of the beast is the spiritual counterpoint to this passage back in Deuteronomy it is satan's substitute for true faith it is the mark of those who are without God. They do not think God's thoughts. They do not organize their lives around God's word. And, and one expectation for those of us who do follow Christ is that we're not to be ashamed of Christ. You see, you cannot hide the forehead. Um, our forehead is there for all to see. And the message in all of that imagery for us is that we are not to hide the light of Christ in our life. We are not to be timid in naming our allegiance to Christ, and our allegiance to to Christ and his gospel should be evident to all people around us to see, as if it were tattooed right on our forehead. 
Here's the last uh, suggestion, number seven. Provide a right example in how to order your household. In verse nine, it says, write them on the doorpost, the, the commands of God, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. One of the things that I feel strongly about is that it's important for families to have some regular time together, regular scheduled time together, as tough as that may be with the crazy schedules that we keep these days. Maybe, you know, in our house growing up, it was, it was the evening mealtime. And some of our kids had friends where that was not the case in their homes, and they thought our kids were a little strange because they all wanted to be home or needed to be home for dinner um, as many nights as we could do that. And there were a few here and there we couldn't, but most of the time we were, and our kids looked forward to that, and it even made an impression on some of their friends. But maybe, you know, a lot of spiritual good, spiritually good things and, and a lot of other good things happen at, when we practice being together as a family. But the point is that we need to look for ways that naturally enable us and our families to organize our priorities and to get our life straightened out. Um, you know, let me ask you this. Do you read the Bible to your children? Do you pray with your children? You know, these are just some possibilities. And it's not just for parents, it's for grandparents and godparents and all of us uh, to be involved in. How are we encouraging the spiritual life and the spiritual development of the kids in our sphere of influence. We need to work that out in ways that fit in our own household, in our own life. But mom and dad need to be people of faith first. We are called to be people of the book. We are called to be purposeful in how we share our faith with our kids. We're to do that naturally and with integrity. We're to provide the right example on how to act and how to think and we seek to organize the daily activities of our household in a manner that through them, our faith in God is expressed. So as we close this morning, I, there's just one thing that I must remind all of us of in this discussion, and that is if our children are to have faith, we know that it's by the grace of God. But at the same time, it is God's plan to use parents, to use grandparents, to use people of influence to instill and pass on the faith to the next generation. I love the words of Psalm 139. It, in the, uh, it, it, it has some great words about God's sovereignty over our lives. Let me just introduce you in the first couple of verses to Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Um, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You see, God knows us. That's what the psalmist gets. God knows us thoroughly, through and through. God knows you and God knows your children. I invite you this morning, uh, whatever your circumstance, don't give up on your kids, whether they're strong-willed in childhood or rebellious as teenagers or indifferent as young adults. God is still at work in their life and in your life. Pray for them, ask God how to reach them, claim the promises of scripture. You know, our kids are children of the covenant. 
And God has promised to be their God. So ask God to fulfill the hopes and the dreams of that promise. Ultimately, we know it's God's work to do that. But at the same time, we're called to be faithful in the process. The children of the covenant inherit the promises of the scripture. The children of the covenant are baptized in the belief that God keeps his promise. And we need to continue to pray that our kids will have faith and pray and ask God by his power to enable us to successfully pass the baton of faith on to the next generation. Parents, God has established you as the primary means that he uses to bring your children to faith. To that end, reaffirm your commitment to pray for them, to admonish them, to encourage them, to share your faith with them, and ultimately to point them to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Teach us, O God, how to delight in your commands, how to meditate on your word, but even more, how to live faithfully and to pass on to others the faith of the next, uh, to the next generation. Deepen our sense of responsibility. Help us to have the courage to step out in our families and among those we are called to serve in your church, to love you with our whole being, and then to communicate that love to those in our care. We pray it all in Jesus' name.